This is the Land Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. How is that for some morning action, Chad? What do you think? It's about time we have a morning like that. Oh, man. I mean, unbelievable opportunity to hunt birds that are just hammering like that. But I, I'm I'm glad we had a, the opportunity, the ability to kind of share it with everyone because not every turkey hunt is like that. No. And by golly, we've, we've experienced some this year that have not been like that. We've had some rough mornings, but that one, that one turned it around pretty quick. Yeah, it did. That, that, um... That experience was was fantastic, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about this week, guys. Here on the podcast, is we're going to dive into, um, you know, just the breakdown of that hunt, the things that went into it, because there's always little nuances, I think, on on turkeys that people forget about. And I'm a firm believer that when you're successful, the details certainly matter. Sure, you you can accidentally stumble upon a goblin turkey that'll just work and break and do all things right. But there's times where our margin for error this morning was very, very small. And the ability to capture it on camera was even smaller and uh, it all worked out. But I think that's, there's, there's specific details and why it did. So we're going to talk about that this week um, here on the podcast. Before we jump in though, let's give a quick shout out to Vortex Optics. Um, this is actually helpful this morning. was able to use the Spark Solar Red Dot. Uh, that was the first turkey I'd shot with that red dot. Um, but easy to sight in, easy sight picture. No, I've always worried about like, you know, too much blocking the actual experience or getting like too narrowed down, like with a, a longer, more like rifle-like scope um, that I'd miss out on where other birds are in particular to that, to that turkey you're trying to shoot. But man, that red dot was super easy. Um, got on that bird quick and, um, I, I loved it. Even in super low light conditions that worked awesome. So check out vortexoptics.com and, uh, see if that's the right fit for you guys. All right, Chad turkeys. Why don't you give a quick breakdown of, of kind of, season so far and some some challenges or the way that birds have um been been acting um because it's very typical of like a portion of the season you know we <clears throat> we haven't hunted as much as we 
do a lot of times. The weather's been really weird. We've had a lot of rainy days. We've had a lot of windy days. We haven't had many of the typical of your classic like great morning weather, that yeah. cooler weather, clear skies. We haven't had much of that. Mm-hmm. And the birds haven't been very vocal. We're a, a week or two behind as far as leaf cover goes. Yeah. So it's been it's been tough. Oh, yeah. And and getting the birds that we've been on have been in places that we couldn't set up the greatest on. Yeah, I mean, especially challenging roost, roost, challenging roost locations, um, and when they're not gobbling much after fly down, it's very yeah. difficult to get and, on. And and make especially moves. like you know, we went with Dad one day. Adam went with Dad one day. Um, the first day we went, we had no birds roosted, and when they're not vocal, when they hit the ground, and and you're trying to go from daylight, just trying to hear them, it makes it tough. Very tough, yeah, and. Not to mention the birds that we got on with Dad. We've dealt with them. We hunted, hunted essentially some of the same ones yesterday, and it was right. not not cooperating whatsoever. And that's what we've been on. And and you know, essentially uninterested after fly down. Yeah. Period. Like you know, birds are hearing your calls. You know that they're close by. There's sign everywhere. They were roosted close. They couldn't have gone far. But just hardly even a courtesy gobble. Or a shock gobble situation, it is just silence. Well, you know, there's times where it feels like you're 30 minutes behind or even 10 minutes behind, where, and we've dealt with that a lot, where it's like, if we could get to that spot, we'd be in the chips. We'll be in. And, and you get there, like, when, when we went with dad, it was like, yeah. we need to get to there. We got to there, sat down and called, and they'd already shot up. Yep. And it was like, hmm. Okay. Well, well, even similar situation yesterday yeah. when, when Aaron from Honey Public goes down, we were all out. Birch pitched down. They didn't come to the large field. They went to a smaller food plot. We had to make a move to get up on top of Ridge, which is not an easy hike. It took some time. But even when you got there, position-wise, we were all sitting there like, how do we get to that bird he safely? Was on a, he was on a high spot, and the woods are wide open. Yeah. You just could not move on him. And we weren't in anywhere close to an area that we thought we could call him in. Yep. So you're a likely just chance. Like, well, I guess we just try to keep moving and hope they stay vocal, and that didn't happen. Right. And and that was the difference today. You know, you and I hunted these birds. Yep. What was it? Friday? Yeah, probably Friday. four days, three, four days ago. And not knowing the lay of the land there. Yeah, this this was this was very close to um my my property that my wife and I own and um had gotten permission from a very generous neighbor to go in and hunt, seen birds and he said, Yeah, just let me know that you know, ahead of time and uh so we, we took him up on the offer and got on birds that first morning. We got close to them on the roost. Yeah now they were getting ready to fly down. We had to make, yeah, we, we had to walk in a ways. We we're not quite prepared um, for where they'd be at. Right. So we, we got there. It was like, man, they're going to fly down at any well, point. We essentially, what, what they just heard, we heard that yes. that morning. Oh yeah. Only it was to a hen, mm-hmm. a live hen. Yep. And they flew down to her and shut up and we never heard them gobble again. No. 
So they 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 gobbled one time on on a hardwood bench that they pitched down to, and it sounded like they started headed off the the other direction. They pitched towards her and on that hardwood bench, and that was it. I was like, wow, okay, well, um, good to know if they roost here again. But but even then, when we started breaking down that scenario, Chad, it's like, okay, if they roost here again, what is the best setup? Because it's it's a unique lay of the lay of land. There's a there's a deep drainage, hardwood drainage, but it blends into a really overgrown pasture with multiple rose bushes with with uh, cedar, honey locusts. It's that weird. Like, I'm an unimproved pasture. haven't been touched in years. So it's not like a great place for birds to be in, but they're kind of using it. But there's not a great place to set up. You can't put your back against something. Um, there's nothing's really out there big enough to do so. And if you get to the hardwood drain where they had been roosted that Friday morning, you, you, you just, you couldn't. Like, you could not push in that far. Um, so we had made a uh, kind of uh, a plan a, if they do this again, we're going to have to set up back here and just be early on them, get their attention while they're on the roost um, because they are responsive to a hen. They did pursue that hen, but we knew we were going to have to be the first one vocal. And that was kind of the, the plan. It's okay, next time we have a chance to hunt it, let's attempt to go in from that direction and call them into this nice little flat. It's a little bit more open, a place where, let's say, the likelihood of calling them to was higher. Um, so that was the initial plan. Yeah. We, we thought like, okay, there's a, there's a good chance. These birds seem like they're certainly interested, but um, we, we don't have the time the next couple of days to do it. So last night, wife and I were working out in the yard. It's like, it's getting close to fly up. I'm like, I'm going to slip back behind the house and I'm just going to listen. Well, I was on our place and, I, I I swore I heard like walking in the leaves like down in that drain close to where we've been at before and um, I was like oh, that's interesting so I just waited chilled and um, then I heard <laughs> birds fly up I was like oh interesting okay don't know if it's hen or gobblers and then uh, waited three or four minutes and Al hooted one time and it was, <laughs> was like holy cow. They just got right back. But then that was the start of the progression of, okay, it's 30 minutes before dark, and they just started gobbling. No screeching or owl hooting. Some coyotes chimed in. But we were able to really pinpoint those birds, and they were gobbling extremely good last night. Um, and it was like, wow, okay. Let's make a game plan for tomorrow and get back in there on those things. But what was interesting were they were roosted out Friday, compared to today, gave us a much more advantage. Yeah. Opposed to being when, where they were Friday, they were up the drain a little bit more. And, and that's where I like both ways. I mean, I, I I like to go in blind, like in the morning, sure. to do that. But if there is a very large advantage to figuring out where they're roosting in the evenings. And we've kind of gotten it down to a pretty good art on roosting birds and getting that figured out and it's it's one you know a lot of people consider roosting of you know you park on a high spot in your vehicle and you stand there yeah. and owl hoot non-stop and hope you hear them gobble 
anymore. I try to be in a decent position, wearing camo. I'm I'm trying to because if those birds wouldn't have gobbled, we still had an idea where they're at. Yes. And it's not a push in and then out hoot like crazy just right off the bat. A lot of times, if I have the time, I'll go and sit somewhere in a decent position. I did that last night. I didn't hear anything, but sit in a decent spot right around time where they fly up and like piddle on my phone. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times you'll hear, you at least know, okay, there's a turkey there. And, and that's that special time at night where most times the day wind has pretty much leveled off and it just gets that still quiet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, weeks ago when the element guys were in, this isn't the bird that you guys went after, but I, I went to a different portion on the, on the woodlands and listened and heard birds um, fly up. I mean, I was hundreds of yards, 400 probably yards away from where they flew up at. But you could still hear that fly up. It's like, okay, there's birds there. He ended up gobbling and really gave away the position. But it was like, even, it, you know, worst case scenario is I know there's a turkey there yeah. in the morning. If well, he doesn't gobble. You know, a lot, a lot of times, too, and that's where, like, there's a reason they call it a shock gobble. Yeah. I don't like to sit there and just out-hoot nonstop because it's not, to me, you're numbing them to the sound. Correct. I want to sit there quiet. Wait. And wait. And then, like, I'll occasionally, like, drop a real loud out-hoot, and then I'll sit there quiet for a while because I want to shock them into gobbling. Mm-hmm. That's that is the the and response you have because to then if you're lucky enough to get them to gobble, then it's time. That's where the camo comes in. Yeah. And play again. It's like that when we talked last night. I'm like, triangulate them, move, yeah. get to another angle, and see if you can really pinpoint where they're at. Which helped us a ton because then oh, yeah. we drop in this 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 morning and and slipped in on the bench, like closer to them and we were definitely within their bubble if if let's let's play out this scenario if we hadn't roosted birds last night known exactly where they were at we would have gone in blind this morning probably bumped a bird that was on a limb elsewhere and not far from where you where we generally walk in on this place um could have bumped that bird but then also we wouldn't have been in the bubble nearly as much. We would have been back off in that other portion of the property where like, okay, this is a likely possibility where we could because we think they're roosted here. But they were were probably 150 yards farther to the south and that allowed us that enough wiggle room to enter the property slightly different, use some topography to loop around in the cover of darkness and drop in and get to essentially where they were exactly roosted on Friday. And that knowing that 150 yards difference was the game changer. Well, because we got in there, we got in there early enough that, you know, we discussed where we were standing on the edge of the field looking in. It's like, yeah. we can drop into here and set up. Well, then we got in there and it was solid cedar. Yeah. I was like, this isn't going to work. Nope. Especially for filming. And it's like, we've, we need to move forward. And you could kind of see in that dim light, you could kind of see that it looked a little open out. There was a little dip. It's like it looks open on the other side of that dip. And they were already gobbling. <laughs> yeah. So we knew where they were at. And it yeah. was like, okay, we can slip a little closer, push the boundaries a little bit. I think we're hidden. 
We've got cedars around. And, and, and it is a creep. It is a every step is intentional. Sticks, leaves, where are you trying to step and where are you trying to get to? Well, uh, and the, the other benefit to getting in is early. You know, we sat down and it's one of those I, I mentioned to him. It was like, let's let them. They may not. Who knows? I mean, we're, we're attributing too much to them possibly. But it's like, let's let's let it sit quiet for a few minutes at least like five minutes let's let them forget about all the leaf crunching that they heard because and that's the thing that without a doubt those birds were gobbling at crunching of leaves like oh, yeah. we were we were max 110 yards yeah. and and uh, this is yes the third week of season but there's not leaf out yet they're just barely barely getting to uh, pass the bud stage flowering stage right now and uh man alive it's pretty wide open the timber still but we were able to get tight and they were for sure gobbling back out the yeah sound um and and it was it was definitely close but using cover using other trees to visually block you from the bird um and this had to go stick out a decoy, well, too. They're used to stuff walking around in the woods. Yeah, yeah it's not it's like an armadillo or deer don't walk walk it, around underneath. I, I hate the thought of walking in there and instantly tree open where they're like, I mean, who knows if they can think of that reason that, but I hate that thought of right. like, okay, they've sat there and heard leaf crunching all the way to this spot, and now all of a sudden there's a hen call, and then right. we're doing a fly down. It's like. I mean, in my pause. mind, I don't like it. <laughs> let's 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 um let's give a little bit of um, separation between the two noises, essentially. So, did that. Essentially, just started with soft, soft tree yelps. Had the uh, cluck and purr pot, and that's so subtle and so soft. They responded and gobbled several times, but at the same time, they were gobbling at everything, as as you guys heard. Um, I don't know, probably did two to three sequences with that um, and, and and responded well. Then you ch- you were chiming in with a um, mouth call. I had a mouth call in, and still those soft clucks, those soft, subtle Yelp sequences. Um, I, we, we talked about this at breakfast, Chad, and I was like, you know, how, how, many, how many times have we seen it, um, heard of it? see it on television maybe but as as ham as as intense as those birds were gobbling sure we could have been a little bit more aggressive but i think the tendency is for a lot of people when calling circuits and especially in that proximity to them it is to almost just wear those mouth calls out and just hammer them like hammer back for, as a as a hen and just over call in a volume situation um, instead of acting like a normal hen on a limb, trying to keep it as real as possible. Yeah. That happens a ton. That call that I've got, you know, it's, that's where it's a benefit to be very, to have really practiced with mouth calls to where you are comfortable with changing your tone. Yep. Where that I've found a call that I like that I can call very soft and still get 
some you know some calls you go to call soft and it sounds awful. There's like it, it's it's, like, it's not <laughs> a right. It's real clear. This one I can actually break it over, and I can call with almost my mouth shut and just kind of use my just instead of using my jaw, it's more just my tongue, mm-hmm. and I can make it just break over and give it very very soft stuff, and that's. Uh, I've gotten ready to do that a lot now. Sit well, there and just, it, it's yeah, great. Yeah, it's yeah. great for on the limb talk, but also when a bird is eighty yards and closing too. Yeah, because those soft clucks and purrs, as you know, as small sequences of yelps, they're not birds aren't yelling at each other when they're closing the distance. Um, normally, when they're talking between each other, now a gobble's a gobble, but hen wise. They're not generally just cack, 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 every single no. time. That's not that's not all the calls that they make. And so um, started in on that, and then did you you had well this is the other important part of it, and it and this is what helps I think with two people r- running a camera and turkey hunting, um, and then just turkey hunting two completely different things. But what the advantage was for us in the way although. Our back was against the exact same tree. You were just on the low side of the tree, and you could almost send calls behind the tree and down the hill more on the flat of the bench, opposed to me looking pretty much 12 o'clock at the turkeys um, on the limb. And to my left was kind of thick wall of multiflora rose and and, um, cedar, and I, I... we were dead in the water if birds swung high. And another 30 yards is the edge of a field. So they could have easily came down the edge of the field. So when we first sat down, I was like, hey, you're going to like scratch the leaves. You be the one to do it because I want them to hit this bench. If, if they go and on the high side, we're hosed. They have to walk on this bench. And the angle we were sitting, I mean, you were sitting facing forward because you were, you yeah. were the shooter. I was sitting at an angle to where like I could use the wing and kind of be hidden. Yes. I, I could have it behind us, and that's why I, I flew down with it, and then I could scratch in the leaves down in that hole mm-hmm. where nothing could see it, and it was behind me. And But that that sound, though, to, to a turkey, because they can pinpoint so well, it's going to sound different the way that sound waves are moving through that timber is if I do it facing them versus you doing it. Yeah. And and just the topography, the terrain, the sound, the angle, everything is like you got to be the one to do that, and um, we have to have them sucked down because because of all the setup and the rolling hill of this little bench, um, we knew it was going to be okay close quarters situation. <laughs> if they do come and fly on this fly down to the bench and, and come in, it's going to be tight. 25-yard shot pretty much max just because of this roll of hill. And um, that was going to be the scenario. So there's a small window of of opportunity that we're going to have on these things. And um, you did the fly down. Of course, they're gobbling. And, and it wasn't – there was no fly down cackle with this one. It was just literally a wing hitting your hand. Yeah, I rarely cackle. And then it. hit the leaves and go. And that was what, like – the I think there was talking in that you could hear us like whisper a little in that clip. That was that was us saying I'm waiting for some silence yeah. to actually fly down because yeah. there was so much sound. There was crows. They were just there was gobbling owls. at everything. It's like I want them. 
I want it to quiet down before I do this fly down so I yeah. know they hear it. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and so that was super, super important. And then the direction of the fly down as well is still kind of back behind. Um, so they feel like although the calls are coming from point A, that hen, maybe she is a little bit farther back. We need to bump in a little bit more um, in, in a committal to this setup. So, um, I mean, it was two minutes. I was like, Chad, I just saw one fly down. And um, he pitched down between where he was roosted on the bench and the field edge. I was like, he pitched down on the high side. So I, I don't remember if I called at that point anymore because I, I knew, obviously, I'm on the high side of the tree. High side's bad. I think you just called from that point, I think. Yeah. Um, but birds hit the ground, waited a minute or two. They gobbled. You called and sent it again down the ridge, down the bench, back behind us. They responded, got a little quiet, and then we're like, man, I think we hear footsteps. Like, I think they're coming. And then all of a sudden, before turkeys were in view, it was that, without a doubt, I feel like this is the point where it's like thousand percent game on for me, where you can feel the gobble. Instead of only just we, hear it, you know they've cut the distance, and it's a just lot. that uh, overwhelming sense of he's at fifty and he's gobbling like at the decibel level that I can feel it. Yeah, it's in, like in the just timber. just out of sight. Yeah, and it's like okay, safety went off, and I'm like, well, what we're f- afraid of, and we try try to avoid, and this just strictly from a, a filming standpoint and from a enjoyment i guess because having birds strut within 30 yards and just be turkeys and just do what they do is is always awesome and that in that time that you get in close proximity is so limited but what we try to do is is not encourage that periscope type hunt where bird comes in they're in range but all you see is a redhead peeking over a ridge well and it's a lot of it for us, with, with turkey numbers the way they are, it's one of those where we've kind of decided, it's like, we want the best hunt we can get. Yeah. And it's like, we have yeah. to set up with some foresight where it's like, okay, if we set up here, they're going to periscope. Mm-hmm. We don't want that. It's like, we've got to set up here so that we at least get a little bit of a show. And it's and, and we've kind of stopped. I mean, it's one of those where it's there's probably, you know, we've done, we still have done well, but... There's other birds that we could kill oh, if we wanted no to just doubt. kill birds yeah. and and set up to where they periscope and you shoot them as soon as they stick their head over. Yep. But we've kind of decided, it's like, all right, Back we're going to enjoy the hunt a little bit for the for the show and for the camera. So yep. we try to set up intentionally to where we have more of a more of a show. And that gobble rang out directly in front of me. But you, because of the slight ridge that was in front of us, or the slight rise that was in front of us, even though I was on the high side of the tree, the way these turkeys kind of came in, you saw them first. And you said, right behind the cedar, slightly right. And I look, boom, there's the head I see. I was gun pointed left of cedar because that's where I was hearing, because that's where they flew on the high side and started walking in. But when they popped up, it was just right at that cedar. 
I mean, at that point, they were already in range. There was yeah, were 30, 35. Probably something like that. And um, I, I think the biggest fear was, right, Periscope, see something they don't like necessarily, and be out of there. But we did have a decoy, and I think they, they totally saw her. They didn't get the full, uh, let's say, profile picture of her, but they were looking hard. And once they both kind of came up onto – that ridge line, they immediately went from head up, really, really looking, to half strut, then full strut, spit, drag wings. It was like, okay, they're they're more comfortable here than I was gonna I was giving them, like, it, cause it it wasn't that perfect setup where we're like we're gonna milk this footage. This is gonna be great. We got a, we got a perfect tide. Like this is a beautiful flat. It was like narrow window let's make this thing happen and hopefully we get everything or enough um on camera to be able they, to showcase it and they gobbled i mean gobbled three times within view oh yeah we didn't have to call i mean that yeah. was a position where i, where I really didn't want to call too mm-hmm. much just because boy they will pinpoint you yeah Woo. And they'll pick you out against the side of a tree well and, the, and then it was borderline you know i whispered to you I can't see them now. They're behind the decoy from me. Yep. And it was like, and and as they as they kept coming, they were dropping a little lower down the hill, and it was kind of starting to fret a little bit. And it was that was what I was glad when you're like, "Are you on him?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm on him now." Well, because what and and it's always funny like the it doesn't take much of an angle change from the camera to the to the whoever's shooting for things to that sight picture to look completely different because. They were there, and when they were gobbling and strutting right there for a minute or so, I, I never had a shot opportunity because they were one was right behind another, and it was like, if I pull the trigger here, they're both flopping. That you can't only kill one bird in Missouri. I'm like, I'm not risking that whatsoever. So you said, okay, they're behind the decoy. So I'm like, all right, pretty much first opportunity now that once they take a few more steps and they separate, I'm gonna have to pull the trigger. Um, and two, all the same time as those birds are committing, she had been quiet the whole morning. Ends up there's a hen farther down the drain behind, behind us. And so as these birds were already committing to come in, then we hear, and we're like, hmm, well, this kind of works out pretty, yeah, pretty we'd perfect. Yeah, we slipped in in between them, essentially. Yeah, and um, that, that worked out super well. But anyhow, that bird steps out free and clear of the decoy, and um, I think he saw me move, adjust, and he kind of broke strut. Head came up, and I was already in the process of doing a couple clucks on the um, mouth call, and head was up, boom, done. And um, that was the ending to a fine, fine Missouri Turkey Woods morning. Yeah. Well, actually, it wasn't the ending because we're on our, on our yeah. walk. <laughs> we stumble upon another bird. I yeah. mean, we weren't we weren't going to kill it, but. It was fun to watch. It was awesome. We got to we, at Rooster, watch heard, bird. heard that bird gobble on the limb this morning some, but but also on the limb last night. Um, and, uh, yeah, sure enough, we were walking out. We'd actually bumped deer walking back to the truck, and deer run out across this field. 30 seconds later, <laughs> that turkey was in the field between here and the truck. Um, and, and it was like, well – you just want to see what happens? Sure. <laughs> so, watch the show for a while. 
watch Listen the strut. Listen to Turkey Gobble like crazy. And and uh, that's what I love about, you know, we we had the discussion yesterday doing some filming stuff um, with Aaron and, and Adam mentioned, or, or, or Aaron asked specifically, like, what's, how, how are you guys doing some, some things different? And, and I think part of it is um, just, just the subtle fact that, man, I want to, no matter, no matter what position your region is in, in relative to Turkey numbers, decline, whatever, I want to, I want to honor that turkey and that hunt as much as I can and in any other one. So like we're shooting a bird and walking up to the next or to, to leave today. I'm like, here's another opportunity. But like we got to call that bird in like that bird, that bird came to 40, 45 yards or so. And we're not it, hidden. And yeah. We weren't, aren't hidden, but like we got to sh- see another show. Like we got to experience the, the thrill of a hunt again. And and I think those are the things that as hunters, as conservationists, we got to put our money where our mouth is situation. Cause I could have said, Hey Chad, here's a gun. Shoot. You didn't have any interest in doing that and filling another tag just to fill another tag. It's like, but we can still enjoy the moment, still enjoy the bird and cherish the bird for what it is and what it's doing and, and the, the thrill of it. Um, but Man, that was a fantastic morning. They gobbled their well, head and off. And it kind of, back to the seeing the turkey and then just enjoying the hunt. It was kind of one of those, I don't know if you saw Dr. Lashley's uh, post maybe, a couple maybe days not. ago, challenging people to essentially looking for posts of uh, of poults. And it was like, sure. let's, let's have this competition who can grow the most turkeys not who can kill the most turkeys let's see who can grow the most turkeys sure and it's one of those where i'm like i like it i want to see people like on social media who can post the most excited about the most picture of pulse who can do do the most habitat work you know like we've i don't know if you guys have discussed a little bit and and i think you're going to discuss a little bit in the other podcast on on um, dispersal you know with all the logging and all the habitat work we've done on the Whistling Woodlands, a lot of our birds have dispersed because there's a lot of tops. It's a lot of thickness. Um, it would be easy to get discouraged. Sure. Um, with, you, you know, our, our numbers on there aren't what they were last year. We yep. had a ton of birds through the winter, more than we'd seen the year before. But as far as gobbling birds on the farm, we don't have as many. And, and a lot of it's because those classic strut lane, strutting areas yeah. are brushy Tem- temporarily right are, are not as conducive we we haven't gotten the burns to melt that stuff down to yep. make it more conducive but we're we're in the middle of doing our forestry management plan to do that and we had something not even turkey related yeah. that's way more encouraging than hearing a turkey gobble yeah when what what sound might that be Yeah, Covey calls. Ugh. it's like in in not only Covey calls, but Covey calls in an area that has been cut two years ago now and burned one year ago. Yes, A- and and actually, Adam and I walked through that doing plots, doing our timber, our forestry management plots yeah. to not food plots inventory plots. Yes. 
the week before and made the comments like, you know, I could see quail living in this. Mm-hmm. Like, this looks really good. It's very weedy. Yep. There's scattered tops around. There's some shrubs that have come back. There's some saplings and, and, and stump sprouts that are shrub size. It's like, this looks like there should be some quail on this at some point. Right. And less than a week later, I'm doing inventory plots on the high part overlooking that and hear them yep. whistling as they're going to roost. And it's like, all right. Okay. There's birds. There's something good here. There's there's quail. I say birds. Let's be really specific because there's quail in an area that three years ago was 100% closed canopy forest. Yeah. And I I wish I was better with all of my birds. Agreed. Me too. There are so many birds. So many songbirds. As I'm, as I'm doing the inventory plots, it's just like chatter. Yep. Non-stop birds just all around. And, and, you know, thinking about, because I asked you the question today at breakfast. I was like, you know, I just, I wish I could articulate and put into really good words what it was that we just experienced this morning. And and it was a turkey hunt, but that doesn't even do it justice, or that doesn't even, it's not even fair enough to just dwindle it down to a turkey hunt. Like, it, it, was, it was like 100% natural. It was what birds do, a spring, if you will, the ritual, um... But we got to be a part of it, and we got to experience it firsthand and be in and amongst it. And that's something that's super, super special. But when you go outdoors in the springtime and you're engaging with nature or engaging with creation, it's it's powerful. But at the same time, what you just described there man, that experience can be heightened when there's, we're, we're not focusing just on a turkey gobbling, no. but we're and focusing on the fact that there's neotropical uh, songbirds that are migrating from the islands in South America back up through the hills of stinking Missouri in, in a there woodland. Are, there, I mean, we, we experienced it yesterday. There are so many summer tanagers around right yeah. now. So many of them. Yep. And it, there's so much of it that, like, it's we can't describe, especially on the podcast. You can't no, describe it. You can't, you can't talk about it. You can't film you can't, it because yeah. they're 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 a two ounce bird or well, whatever and, they are. And just the whole experience, like just the turkey right. hunt. Right, right, right. The yeah. film, uh, uh, the video can only do so much. There's so much else there yeah. Yeah. that you can't unless you're there experiencing it. E- even just the the turkey the turkey mating rituals and and stuff to see that was one that like. I I loved like at work at times having volunteers or somebody that hear a turkey gobble and say, "Have you ever been close to a turkey goblin? Have you ever no? Yeah. Sit down at this tree. I'm going to call it in <sighs> and call them into 15 yards and have them just yep just shaking the ground in front of them and Poo and, their pants. and they <laughs> let the bird walk off and they're like, that was incredible. It's like it, very few people experience that. It, it's it's extraordinary. It's almost like mesmerizing. It's almost like this slight trance that kind of like you're just captured by creation gobble for like this this moment in time. It's like 
I don't know how else to really describe it, but but that is that is what I'm after. Like that is that experience of man, I'll go hike around in the woods for hours and days to be able to be that close to just the rawness of God's creation and and its inner workings too. It's not just like being out in the timber, but it doesn't matter if you're just passionate about songbirds, you're, you're, you're a birder or, or you're a turkey hunter, you're a deer hunter, or you're just a land manager. It doesn't matter. You can still have that closeness, but it is heightened or it is, it is enhanced when you encounter things, observe them, in ways that you haven't before, like with that quail. If you had heard a quail in the timber, Chad, on forest service land that someone else had gone in and cut and this and that, um, and you're like, wow, that was, that was cool. Like that was, that was, I saw, I heard quail. Great. But this takes on a new meaning when, hey, we designed this timber harvest to happen We've we've come back and, and followed up with prescribed fire. Um, now we're making all the decisions because this is this is on on the whistling woodlands to improve this bird. That's something to get that much more excited about, and oh, yeah. and, and the experience of it, now what am I going to do? Especially knowing I mean we've done logging and one fire on that. That's it. Like we're in the very beginning stages of a lot of that. Yeah. And and I mean I heard him again last night, mm-hmm. or I heard Covey calls again on the on the next drainage over. Yep. It's been logged. It's only been logged and burned this year. Yes. Now it was it was a burn that we did where there it was it was a more mosaic type burn, but it's still it's like they're in here. Yep. There it's are like, birds in here. And we've are in the beginning stages. What what's going to happen if if we can continue to improve the habitat? And we have them start raising some broods to where we have a covey make it through the winter. What's next? Like, what's five years down the line now? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And, and that's what's, I think, amazing about this time of the time of the year. I was, I was working with someone the other day. Oh, I was in Oklahoma. And um, I, know, I know he's going to be listening to this podcast. But he was talking about, like, his time in the fall and it's like man just just really busy um you know working and trying to improve this place i'm like dude i am all for improvement i am all for you know pedal to the metal but at the same time you have to have experiences like we had this morning and you have to take time for the experiences of going and listening to quail and just like observing that feeling that and and being a part of it because that's going to increase the passion, but increase the drive or the well, intensity and, and the reason behind what our, you're doing. Our good friend Hunter Johnson in a group message on on Facebook asked one day, <coughs> he he shared a video with us of, like, which he's in Arkansas, of all the ducks landing on this wetland that he'd planted and, uh, and of a a crop field on the other side of it full of deer and, and kind of pose the question, how many of you guys have actually gotten the time to sit back and enjoy sure. reap the rewards of, of your work? And, and the like, reaping of reward doesn't have to come through a trigger no. pole. No, it's ex- the experience of seeing what you have, what work you have done benefiting wildlife. Be beneficial 
increase the usability and then respond in the way that you want them to. That's the icing on the cake. It's like, oh yeah, they entered the plot that way. Or they, yeah, I bet you they I bet you they came from that betting area. Or that bird's gobbling because I went in and I reduced the mid-story. Now we've got some really good roost opportunities over there. Um, or you're cutting timber and burning it and here come quail. Whatever the case may be, man, there there is a point where it's 100% should be a um it should it should be a goal of yours to observe to take part watch and 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 let things let let creation be creation and you just witness it like that as a landowner man you you, that's that's super important um man that kind of went off on a tangent but oh well thanks for sharing the, the quail thing that that's awesome. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I mean, the as you guys go and, and build the forestry management plan, but then put it into action through follow-up TSI and the continuation of burning, who knows what's going to happen. Be sitting in stands in the fall, listening <laughs> to them in the mornings. Oh, yeah. That's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And listening to the turkeys calling trees and goblin. It's going to be wonderful. But, um, yeah, got to take some of those times to enjoy those moments. But um, thanks for coming on the podcast, Chad, and talking about turkeys. And we've got several days left of of season here. Um, I know Adam has had very little time in the woods, and hopefully he'll get a day or two um, this week. And if weather cooperates and birds want to – cooperate too <laughs> might have might have a, another successful hunt or two so i'm i'm super uh encouraged and grateful one for a neighbor um but also just for uh i don't want to say the wild turkey but that is a special bird yep we're sitting there watching it through binos and you're like i just love wild turkeys the the one that we we're when we were walking out that was up on the up in the pasture, just strutting and doing his thing. He was out there all alone, all alone, just oh, full strut. Ah, oh, something awesome about him. Well, guys, thanks for coming along with us on this podcast too. I, I hope that this breakdown of the hunt um, kind of got you guys fired up. Maybe you guys can use some of those same tips to get yourself an experience like we had this morning. But um, be sure to listen to the other podcasts this week. We've got a researcher coming on. We're going to talk all about turkeys um, and their range, distribution, and how they are utilizing the landscape at different times of the year. It will be great insight to maybe what you see on your place um, uh, at different times of the year. So be sure to check it out. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys here next week. (laughs) 